Hi, and welcome to another episode of Gomology, a podcast about clothes and stuff. Now, today we're at the very bottom of the clothes, uh, and my guest is the self-styled professor of shoelaces, Ian Feakin from Australia. Welcome, Ian. G'day, Nick. How are you? I'm radiant, thank you. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Had a freezing cold winter's day here, and I'm envious of your nice summer over in Norway. We're definitely at uh, opposite sides of the world. Now, could you start by just say, telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, what's to say? I'm just a pretty ordinary bloke over here in Australia, but on the internet, I'm known as Professor Shoelace because of my um, my website about shoelaces, which ranks number one in most spots of the world for anything you need to know, whether it's lacing or tying shoes and and what have you. I imagine the market for the top place when it comes to shoelaces and knots isn't hardly contested. It's uh, true. <laughs> Not like if you're trying to get the top place for cars or um, or mobile phones or whatever. Uh, not a very marketable position, but nonetheless, it's it's interesting that people have found me or the information that I've provided to be worthwhile enough to link to, and that's what that's what ends up making a website number one is that there's thousands of people linking into a website, and um, so it's nice to know that so many people find it useful. And you've been making this website for quite a while now, haven't you? About or more than 20 years now, I suppose. 1999, I first put my first uh, foray into the internet and it was just a little hobby web page about myself and when I put my Ian Knot on the website, that's when it really went viral, as we call it nowadays. Back then it was just, hey, I've got lots of visitors coming to me from all over the world. And uh, that's when the website really took off. I do sort of find myself thinking back to those old days of the internet when it was people with something to say, well, something nerdy or good to say that actually made web pages and people enjoyed them. Mm. Nowadays, it's sort of the internet is so full of garbage and people who shouldn't be saying anything. <laughs> I, I tend to agree. Like In the early days, it was really only geeks that could, you know, had the nous to create a web page. It required all sorts of mucking about to, you know, create the the HTML code and all the images and link it all together and upload it to a website. It was, you know, a lot more complicated in those days. You didn't have nice automated software. And as a result, it tended to be people that were fairly technical and had, you know, had something worthwhile to say that would do it. Uh, now anyone can go onto Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. I mean, my website predates a lot of the social media sites that we take for granted today. So, uh, just just as a curious aside, I have a videotape in Japanese format somewhere around the house, which is of my very first homepage in 1996. I'd made it, and I was contacted by a Japanese television program who said, can we show this on Japanese television? <laughs> it was basically just a photo of me saying, hi, I'm Nick. And I said, yeah, sure, if you send me a recording of the program. <laughs> um, but it just shows how different times were back then. Wow, that's amazing. Your website actually predates mine by three years. That's not bad. 
Yeah, I was on the internet first time in 91, I think, or 90. But, uh, I mean, for kids these days, the internet hasn't actually, well, it's always existed. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so back in 99, you invented your own knot and created a website around it. How did this interest in knots come about? Well, the knot actually came about in 1982, um, but I only put it on the internet in 1999. In fact, prior to that, I'd, I'd distributed in various ways. I'd printed up leaflets and uh, in the early days of bulletin boards prior to the internet, I was uploading it to bulletin boards. So it was sort of making its way around the world then. But um, it really just came about as after an experiment with um, trying to make my shoelace tying symmetrical because one morning when a shoelace broke and I found it was always the one end of the shoelace that tended to break, I thought, well, it's probably because I'm tying the shoelaces asymmetrically, that is creating one loop, wrapping the other loop around, and it's the end that suffers the most manipulation that gets the most wear and tear, and therefore that end would always break. So I figured if I could tie it symmetrically, um, that would hopefully minimise those breakages. So a little bit of experimentation later, and I found that, look, the shoelace knot ends up symmetrical, so I tied it the way I normally tied it and then untied it to see how it went together and then put it back together that way. And so, lo and behold, I'd invented a symmetrical way of tying shoelaces that ended up being faster as well. So prior to that, I really wasn't that interested in shoelaces at all. Most, most teenagers really just consider shoelace to be a waste of time and there's far more precious things we can do with our lives. So... You know, most of us sort of kick our shoes on and off without even tying shoelaces or untying them. Um, once I'd invented this way of tying, I found it was faster and suddenly I thought, hey, this is really quite interesting. And that was my first first time that I became interested in shoelaces. The term that comes to mind here is that you must have a beautiful mind when it comes to, to knots. I, I can't imagine what got you into um refining that knot most people would probably just swear and then over a few days buy some new shoelaces and then carry on with the knot they probably learned when they were five years old yeah pretty much in fact um i've never even really been that interested in knots either i i learned a few knots when i was in boy scouts but um like most people, unless you're actually using ropes in your day-to-day -day life, you don't tend to take much interest in knots. So it's purely that I'm someone that loves pulling things apart and putting them together. And when something annoys me, I think there must be a solution to this. And and uh, so that was it. It was, came out of necessity. But then when I realised it was faster as well, I that's when the efficiency aspect kicked in. I really like things that are more efficient. So I, I set about, um, yeah, just refining it and teaching it to other people. And I'm one of the first, one of the few people who can claim to have taught their parents to tie their shoelaces, but uh, they were the first people that I taught. And that must, I imagine, have been a bit tricky because I know that the shoelace I, or the knot I learnt when I was probably about five and the tie knot I learnt when I was 14 I can do them in without looking, but they are also the only ones I can do. And trying to relearn a different knot 
is so tricky? Very difficult. Um, most mornings I would wake up, tie my shoelaces and think, oh, darn it, I was going to try and do it my my new way. And so it took a long, long time for me to consciously make that decision every morning to tie my shoelaces this new way that I'd come up with and gradually getting better all the time as well. And it, it was quite a while before I unlearned the previous muscle memory and relearned the new muscle memory. That's that does mean good to hear that because I thought it might be just me that was deficient in some way. So you, you invented the ear knot and you decided to spread the word via all means available at the time. Were people keen to um, take it on? It's funny you ask because I, being someone who likes things efficient, I love it when people show me a better way of doing something, but I really found that there was two completely different categories of people, some that were absolutely uninterested and some that were totally amazed and willing to learn it. Uh, I suspect that it's um, something to do with people not wanting to show up their um, their inability to learn things easily. They probably remembered the first time that they learned to tie their shoelaces and how stressful it was. And they thought, oh dear, if I try to learn this new knot that this person's trying to show me, I might come across as an idiot if I don't manage to learn it. So I'll just pretend I'm not interested at all. And the the other possibility is that um, I found people looked at me a bit like I look at religious people that come to the front door and try to sell me on their particular religion. They sort of say, no, no, look, I'm, I'm fine with my own particular way of doing things. It may not be the best, but, you know, I'm happy with how I am. And so those people just really weren't at all open to learning a new knot. Um, other people, I've had some people who've, I've seen some shoe, shoe shop assistants who've looked and said, you've got to show me that because I'm tying shoelaces all day long. And so, you know, some people have picked it up really quickly. So, yeah, two quite distinct categories of people. That's interesting. Um, because a good shoe knot you mentioned it's faster, but the symmetrical aspect I find is very interesting because I realized after having browsed your website for some time that what I had learned originally was the granny knot, which is a pretty shameful name for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also completely skew with. And if I only just did it a little bit different in the last knot, mm. then it would be perfectly symmetrical and lie straight. Mm. That's one of the fascinating things about knots that, you know, there's thousands of knots exist that people have um, come up with over the years. And often just a tiny change to one knot can make it from something that's totally stable into completely unstable. So the, um, yeah, those little twists and turns, they all mean something. And the simple thing with a, a regular shoelace knot is that there's two parts to it. There's a starting knot and a finishing knot or the finishing bow. And each of those stage twists the knot slightly. So having the starting knot twisted in one direction and the finishing knot twisted in the same direction will compound that twist and turn it into an uneven and quite twisted knot, which doesn't hold stably either. However, tying 
one knot in, with a twist in one direction and the second knot with a twist in the opposite direction balances out the knot and you end up with something that um, that's self-tightening self and that holds securely. Because mm, you also have some specialist knots for secure knots, don't you? Exactly. That's That was the next thing that I delved into. Um, as a child, my mum had shown me a more secure way of tying shoelaces, which is rather than wrapping the, you know, when once you've created a loop and you wrap the other end around, rather than wrapping it around just once and pulling through, she would wrap around a second time and pull through. Um, an alternative is to wrap around once and pull through, and then before you pull tight, wrap it around a second time and pull through. And I'd see, vaguely seen some other ways of um, creating a secure knot. All of them are based on the concept of wrapping around more than once, but some of them wrap the left end and the right end, and they do complicated things. So I formed a, a symmetrical way of tying a secure knot as well, which involved, um, you know, wrapping, instead of just wrapping one end around and through, wrapping the other loop around and through from the other side, and that formed a secure knot. Now, unbeknownst to me at the time, I'd, I'd actually reinvented a secure knot that had been around for hundreds of years, probably. But um, I later also found out that all three of those um, different techniques actually come out to the same finished knot. Uh, it seems it's hard to believe that, um, you know, whether you wrap around once or twice and through um, from different sides and different directions can end up with the same finished knot, but that's in fact how they come out. It's like three-dimensional chess. <laughs> True, yeah, several, <laughs> several ways to the one solution, yeah. Do we know anything about the history of lacing shoes and, and shoe knots? There's a, it's pretty tricky, really, because um, most most of the history of um, of knots and lacing and rope and so forth predates um, predates a lot of things like being able to write stuff down and publish books about them. So you know, people didn't really document this stuff and say I am the inventor of this particular this particular way of tying you know we've just been handed down these knots through the through the millennia without knowing who invented it in the first place uh, there's some um, you know there's various reference books on knots from different parts of the world and you know now that we've got the internet and we're getting this sharing of worldwide information we're finding that um, you know there's Different knots are called different things in different parts of the world, and yeah, it's, it's all very, um, very confusing nowadays. You're seeing, um, seeing different people saying or laying claim to the same knot. So, in '99, you created the website. It's obviously grown in leaps and bounds since, and well, if you Google knots, that's where you end up. But you also made a book, I believe. Exactly. The um, the website really began with me just adding uh, my knot and a couple of other knots for comparison. What happened then was quite unexpected to me. I mean, if I'd set out to create a website about shoelaces, um, it would have probably gone somewhat differently. But um, it really was based on 
feedback from visitors. Uh, lots of people saying, wow, this is amazing, and um, asking questions, saying, can you answer why this? Can you answer why that? And I would answer as many things as I could about shoelaces based on what I knew and what I didn't know. I looked up and did more research. But basically, I found that I was answering the same questions over and over. And so I thought, well, I'll just put the answer on the website. And gradually, the website grew based on what people were asking me. So, you know, rather than answering the same question 10 times, that answer appeared on the website. And I thought, right, that will stop any more questions about that. Unfortunately, it prompted more questions about related subjects. So the website's grown organically. Uh, eventually, I had so much information that I figured this is worth putting into a book. And indeed, I created the book called Laces, Hundreds of Ways to Pimp Your Kicks. And um, that included a whole bunch of different lacing methods and shoelace knots and, and other information that I'd gathered over the years. And... Uh, yeah, it was probably the world's first um, comprehensive book about shoelaces and all all that goes into them. Was the title one you came up with yourself? <laughs> it's a bizarre title, isn't it? Uh, I was just going to call it Ian's Book of Shoelaces or something pretty ordinary like that because I'm a I'm a very straightforward guy. Uh, the publishers came up with this hundreds of ways to pimp your kicks, which uh, was trying to appeal to a younger demographic, I think. I think it must have been. But that's interesting, though, because that brings us into this other side of uh, doing up your shoes, the lacing, which is a, a separate topic, really. Oh, exactly. The uh, the lacing ended up being a far more comprehensive topic than the, the tying of shoes. Uh, I originally started with just the three shoelace knots and then added a few different lacing methods that I knew of and found that it was a whole culture of um, of people that have different lacing methods for different applications. I mean, I had no idea that hikers used particular lacing methods for hiking and and that um, skaters use particular methods for skating and cyclists use particular methods for cycling. Um, so, yeah, that, that started being built into um, quite a heavy reference on all these different lacing methods because I think you also have uh, a couple of uh, apps for mobile phones now which uh, where you just sort of enter how many pairs of holes you have and you get suggestions. Exactly. The um, Once the book was out, um, it soon became apparent that... Um, yeah, this was back in the... Uh, when was it? 2000, two, 2015, I think the book came out. Um, oh, sorry, 2007, the book came out, and then the um, then we were starting to see mobile phone applications come out. Um, with the iPhone was the first one that really um, allowed people to create um, applications. And I was approached by a developer saying, "Look, you know, we could put your book into a app format." So that was the next progression of um, of the um, the website the book and then mobile phone apps so i've been um i've got a mobile phone app called ian's laces and um quite recently that was um adapted for the android phones as well it's quite strange to think that uh probably one bleak morning in 1982 when your shoelace snapped it would end up 
with Ian's uh, empire of laces and knots. Yeah, exactly. It's um, probably one of the worst things to happen to me financially, but uh, very rewarding from the point of view of um, being able to help so many, so many people. I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of people that have contacted me with real thanks for uh, various things. For example, the Ian knot, which you and I might think is amusing. It's a great party trick and um, helps with the symmetry of the laces and helps with um, the wear and tear and is faster and more efficient. But for other groups of people, such as um, children, there's certain kids that have um, difficulty with learning how to tie shoelaces because they have difficulties with sequencing. And for us to say, look, you know, to create a shoelace knot, you create one loop, wrap the other end around and pull it through. That sounds pretty simple, but for a child that has sequencing difficulties, there's a lot of individual steps. Take, for example, creating one loop. You actually have to hold it with both hands, fold the lace in half, let go with one hand, and then you've got a loop in the other hand. And that's about four or five separate little steps. So kids that have sequencing difficulties have a lot of trouble following the probably 20 steps of tying a normal shoelace knot. And the ear knot reduces that to maybe 10 steps. You know, you're doing a couple of things with both hands, but really you're bringing two loops together in the middle, pushing them through each other and pulling them back out again. And that actually helps a lot of kids that are having difficulties otherwise learning to tie their shoelaces. Mm. Now, I'm sort of thinking there must be various ways of lacing and, and tying knots that are appropriate for various types of shoes. Now, uh, you know from your book title that uh, Cool Kicks um, have more options than others, but do you find that... Um, Say a pair of gentlemen's uh, brogues would uh, a different knot or lacing would be appropriate than something else. Uh, quite true. There's there are style things that style aspects. For example, skaters love to have um, shoes done with what we call bar lacing, which is basically horizontal sections visible on the outside, and all the vertical sections hidden beneath the flaps on the inside and all you see is the the horizontals or the bars they call that so this bar lacing seems to be peculiarly interesting to um, people that wear skater shoes Um, the people that um, wear say tall boots um, there's a common lacing called ladder lacing which is very popular with those and with gentlemen's shoes um, quite often it's a straight method as well but a lot of people prefer the European lacing and one of the advantages about the straight lacing methods on gentlemen's shoes is that the sides of the shoes tend to come together in the very middle and meet so if you've got a lacing method where like crisscross lacing where the laces run diagonally um, across the shoe and they go from the inside of the shoe to the outside of the shoe when you try and tighten it completely and the shoe comes together in the middle, those laces that are running from the inside to the outside will get jammed in between. It's, it's kind of hard to describe on in audio rather than on, 
on the screen. But if you had, had a look at the website, for example, you would see that lacing methods that have like crisscross lacing, um, you could picture that if the sides of the shoe come together and are jamming those crisscross bits in the middle, that's no good. So you really need a lacing method where the laces run across on the outside and run across on the inside without ever going between the inside and the outside. You're right, I can't visualise it at all. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up afterwards. Uh, what I find the problem with lacing often is, though, is that um, once you're tightening up to do the knot, your lacing is tight near the knot but loose at the other end, whereas really you want it to be uniform over the whole lace section. Hmm. Um, True. Um, this is one of the other advantages about methods that have... Um, laces fully on the outside or fully on the inside of the shoe. Um, the segments that are fully on the outside, it's very easy to put your fingers under those segments and pull tight. So if you've got a straight lacing method with straight segments on the outside, you can easily grab those straight segments and pull them tight and therefore tighten it through the whole length of the lacing. Now with... Um, there's, there's actually methods that are better for things like ice skates. Uh, for example, when you're tightening ice skates, you really want to be able to tighten it very tightly throughout the whole lacing. So starting from the bottom of the shoe, you want to tighten those, that bit near the bottom eyelets. And then when you progress to the next one, you don't want the next lower one to loosen again. And so there's lacing methods that will, for example, lock at each pair of eyelets. You tighten the bottom eyelets, they're locked. Then you tighten the next eyelets and they're locked. And you tighten the next eyelets and then they're locked. So that way the whole lacing ends up very, very tight. So yeah, there's a whole science to the to shoelacing as well as the fashion aspect. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of really decorative lacing methods that are completely impractical from a scientific perspective but gee they look great and, and some of them also use more or less lacing uh, i think i bought a, a really nice pair of shoes uh, a couple of years ago and they had this um, completely unknown to me way of lacing from before i sent you a link uh, this morning uh, where i could see that it was actually providing a more uniform tension on the lace than my usual method. The problem was they'd laced them up like this in the shop, but it used more shoelace than normal. So there wasn't really enough lace left to do a proper knot. That's mm -hmm. uh, actually the opposite problem of what a lot of people are finding nowadays. A lot of shoe manufacturers seem to be supplying shoes with excessively long shoelaces. Uh, so you can have either problem. You can have a, a situation such as you've had where the laces are too short to tie easily or too long to, and they end up flopping around. So different lacing methods consume more shoelace. Um, for example, the straight method that I was talking about uh, tends to use less shoelace than the crisscross method, and therefore relacing your shoe with a straight lacing method uh, will give you that extra length that you would have needed or conversely people that have got shoes with laces that are way too long using a crisscross method or 
or something even fancier like uh, lattice lacing or um, um, zipper lacing or something like that will end up consuming more shoelace and uh, that way you won't have your ends flopping around and dragging on the ground. Speaking of laces, um, do you have any thoughts on what makes for a good shoelace, uh, a quality type, so forth? Yeah, there's... Uh, I tended to stick with the standard, what they call spun polyester shoelace, which is good for most situations. Uh, it doesn't rot like cotton shoelaces will tend to rot after a fair time with getting wet and such. Um, so they're probably, and they hold a knot quite well. Now you can buy laces like Kevlar shoelaces. Uh, they use those for tactical boots so that, you know, even under high duress situations like um, combat people <laughs> chasing after after villains and so forth, um, those laces are not going to break. Um, there's special laces for firefighters made of Nomex, which is a fibre that uh, resists chemicals and resists high temperatures so that a firefighter is not going to have their laces catching on fire or, or melting um, while they're in the middle of a, a firefighting situation. But for average people, shoelaces like that can actually be a nuisance because they tend to be more slippery as well and don't hold a knot as well. So you end up having to resort to using a, a more secure shoelace knot in order to make sure they stay tied. But look, there's, um, there's, there's ways around every situation. Um, mountain, mountain climbers will tend to use boot laces that are very, very tough because you do not want a boot lace to snap while you're in the middle of climbing a mountain, put it that way. Yeah, I got so fed up with the shoelaces breaking on my boots that I bought a, a bunch of uh, parachute cord and then little metal aglets and a special uh, pair of pliers to squeeze them on. <laughs> I went way deep that rabbit hole. But as you said, I did find that they were um, there wasn't much friction in them. Mm. So then I ran into the muscle memory problems of having to learn a more secure knot. So at the end of the day, I'm not sure what the gain actually was, but <laughs> there you go. The, um, well, it's actually a very good exercise to go through because learning a secure knot is probably one thing that everyone can benefit from. Um, my website has more than 20 different shoelace knots on it, which are mainly from the perspective of... Uh, simply being a reference of the knots that are available, not necessarily that everyone has to learn all of them. But I, I think everyone could do with learning at least one secure shoelace knot. Now, most people have a favoured way of tying their shoelaces, whether it be the one-loop technique, um, create one loop and wrap the other around, or it could be the two-loop or bunny ears technique, where you create two bunny ears and tie a knot with them. Uh, or it could be my own Ian knot technique where you create two loops and shove them through each other. But each of those techniques can be adapted to one additional wrap that will make it a more secure knot. Um, so whatever your knot previously was, if you um, had a look on my website, you'll see that each knot has a, a link to a simpler, less secure knot or a more complicated and more secure version um, that only requires one extra step of wrapping around a second time, for example. It strikes me that 
it's quite incredible that the sort of humble, unassuming shoe knot, once you start delving into it, it's like a world of complexity. I'm, I'm sure if we were approaching the technology today, it would be all 3D modelled and uh, artificial intelligence working to to work out this best knot. But it's a long way from where it sort of starts, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Even I never never conceived that there should be so much information about shoelaces until I first started adding it to the website. And again, it's due to other people's creativity and ingenuity that's come up with uh, different techniques. I've learned enormous amounts from other people. Um, people have shown me how they, you know, they, for example, someone showed me recently how to um, tie a starting knot in a slightly different way such that when you finish untying your shoelaces, it unties the starting knot at the same time. Um, people actually prompt me to come up with things too, like someone just recently asked me, um, can you tie your, your, your Ian's secure shoelace knot using a faster technique? And someone else had shown me a way of doing it, but it wasn't faster. Um, but I did some experimentation. And indeed, I've come up with a faster way of tying it. But it's not very easy, so <laughs> I'm not sure whether that's ever going to make it to the website. Um, one one thing that is going to make it very shortly is a faster way of tying a um, the the knot that they use on moccasins and um, and boat shoes. I don't know if you've ever seen they um, they tend there's a particular knot that they use on moccasins. It's really just a decorative knot. It doesn't actually hold securely. Um, but it's it's just made to create a little decorative bow, and I don't know why they don't use my, something like my Ian knot there. But um, for some reason there is this moccasin knot, and um, with a bit of experimentation, I found out a faster way of tying that as well. So now I have to put the regular way of tying a moccasin knot and my faster way of tying a moccasin knot on the website. So that'll be another two <laughs> two knots there. Do you do a sort of timed uh, duels when you speed test the knots? I've tried each of them, and yes, indeed, I've tried to see how fast each of them can be tied. Um, but yeah, most of them tend to tend to degenerate into um, variations of each other in terms of speed. There's very few that can be tied much faster. So I've. That, that's always another thing that's interested me, the fact that one finished knot can be tied multiple different ways. So, of course, I'm always interested in the more efficient ways of doing it, and um, very few times I've succeeded in coming up with one, but when I do, that, that's when I'm happy. <laughs> Are there any knots that can be tied one-handed? Yeah, in fact, um, there is a specific one-handed shoelace tying technique. In fact, I shouldn't say one. I've seen about three or four, um, most of which are pretty not great. Um, so the one that I've added to my website is the one that I've deemed to be the, the best one-handed shoelace knot. But uh, I've even found a way of tying my ear knot one-handed such that the finished result looks identical to the regular shoelace knot. Um, as compared to the other one-handed technique, which looks a bit lopsided. Hmm. You mentioned uh, 
the one-handed one's not looking the best. Uh, in your opinion, what is the sort of uh, prettiest or most visually beautiful shoe knot? My, well, uh, I may seem biased here, but my Ian's Cure Shoelace knot is actually very symmetrical. It comes up with a double wrap around the middle as compared to the single wrap around the middle of a regular shoelace knot. So to me, it looks it looks the neatest. It, it just has this nice, um, nice sort of um, twin twin wrap. And uh, in fact, a few years ago, uh, Puma and I got together. We were trying to come up with something for the what they wanted to call the equality knot campaign here in Australia when we were having a debate about marriage equality um, because people in same-sex relationships were not allowed to marry in Australia, so they decided to have a debate about this whole situation. Uh, Puma wanted to get in on on this, and so we created this equality knot, which was basically the same as my Ian Secure shoelace knot, but done on the side of the shoe, um, which symbolised both people from the same direction um, coming together. And... um, The reason we did it like that was that it um, would actually come up with an equality symbol or an equal symbol, which is two horizontal lines. Uh, So that was another reason for using the um, that knot because it comes up that nice twin twin lines. Anyway, that's that's my personal feeling that the the insecure shoelace knot is the neatest looking knot. Right. And that's a, a fascinating story about the Puma connection. Were you very surprised when they got in touch thinking about knots in that way? Yeah, well, that, they really just wanted to do something in to support the whole marriage equality thing and thought the Professor Shoelace would be able to help. Um, I don't think their original idea was knots per se. They just wanted something um, shoelace related and I gave them several proposals of a couple of different lacing methods and a couple of different knots and that's the one that we ended up going with. Now we spoke briefly at the start about uh, skew with granny knots and I had a good chuckle when I found your celebrity granny knot page on your website Mm -hmm. and realized that not even James Bond can tie his shoelaces properly. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine James Bond chasing after a, a villain or two and suddenly, oh, hang on, I've just got to stop to tie my shoelaces. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't go down well, does it? Because you have documented quite extensively there the number of celebrities who are unable to come up with a symmetrical shoelace. Yeah, it's not like there's, it's any personal failing on their part. Um, I, I actually think that it's probably 50% of the population could be tying their shoelaces incorrectly because um, although they, I'm trying to get this better and better known nowadays, but um, for many years, people were just simply taught, right, now we're going to learn to tie shoelaces. We'll tie a starting knot. So you wrap one end around the other and, and tuck one under and pull tight and there's your starting knot. At no stage do people say, right, you must wrap the left end over the right end or the right end over the left end. They're just showing a child, wrap one end and tuck one under and pull it tight. And the child 
will randomly wrap one end around the other or the other end around the first. And that could be left over right or right over left. When they then get onto the second part of the knot, that's when, you know, they they tend to either mirror what their parent is doing or copy it exactly. And again, they the parent will look at what they're doing and consider that a success when they've succeeded in doing the starting knot and the finishing knot and finished up with a bow. But at no stage are they taught that the starting knot and the finishing knot must be tied in harmony with each other to create a balanced knot. So, um, yeah, randomly 50% of the population, whether that's um, ordinary people like us or celebrities or, you know, anyone, king or queen, could be tying their, their shoelaces wrongly if they haven't been taught the correct way. I imagine it's not you scanning the gossip columns to find photos of celebrities with skew-if knots. Uh, sadly, it was. Um, <laughs> when, when I found one or two, I thought, let's see how many more there are. So I went on to websites that show celebrities. And interestingly, there's websites that show celebrities' fashions and what shoes they're wearing and what ties they're wearing and what hats they're wearing. And so I went to the shoe section and looked closely at how their knots were. So yet another rabbit hole to venture down. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Do you find that people notice how others have tied their shoes, or is that something only the true knot geeks will notice? The, the knots, not so much, because um, it takes a bit of a practiced eye to look for the knots. And in fact, for men's shoes, it's quite difficult to spot because the cuff of long trousers tends to sit over the top of the knots and so you can't actually see them um in summer when half the people are walking around wearing shorts um again it's difficult because most of those people aren't wearing um shoes they might be wearing thongs or um or flip-flops as they call them in america uh or they could be wearing sandals so yeah it, it's not that easy to spot people's knots the lacing methods on the other hand uh yes people really do notice when you lace your shoes differently if you um get onto one of the more decorative lacing methods uh, you'll often find that people will comment on wow i love the way you've tied your shoes because hmm. they they are using the word tying to also describe the lacing that's, That's probably true, yeah. common and uh, <laughs> kind of geekish to sort of get into the really nitty-gritty mechanisms here. Yeah, exactly. In fact, if, in hindsight, I'd probably have worded a lot of things differently on my website to go with common terminology because when people say, I love the way you've tied your shoes, they're talking about the lacing method, not necessarily the knot or the tying method. So, um, yeah. But... Likewise, um, I tend to use a lot of common terminology on my website for making a loop and so forth. And the knot purists will say, well, that's not actually a loop. That's what's called a, a bite rather than a loop. Because a loop is only when it goes in a complete circle and then it becomes a loop. So when it's sort of a folded back on itself, that's called a bite. So I've had to learn a lot of um, knotting terminology, but I tend not to put it on the website because that confuses people. You know, if you start out having to teach people all the 
all the whys and wherefores of knotting terminology, then that that confuses people and they'll they won't even go any further. So I use Have you had any beef have you had any beef with the sort of maritime knotting community? Uh, not really. I think they they look at what I'm doing as a as a separate field and so they're um they're quite happy with <laughs> with leaving it worded the way it is because they, they understand the target audience is different. Oh, I was hoping you'd say that oh yeah there's uh, Big uh, fractions uh, and uh, a lot of uh, infighting in the <laughs> the loop versus uh, byte communities. And <laughs> True. No, maybe not. Maybe they okay. maybe they are saying all sorts of awful things about me, but I'm not reading the I'm not reading their um, their forums, so I'm not tending to see them. <laughs> no. Well, the internet has sort of really uh, done wonders for that sort of. Uh, well, fighting, disagreement, whatever. So I've noticed now f that um, for years there's been uh, self-tying shoelaces available and uh, you can get trainers now with absolutely no laces at all. Do you think your world of shoelaces un is under attack by uh, a new technology? It seems to me that it's new technology that's looking for a... Looking for a a solution that didn't really need inventing. Um, shoelaces are such a simple technology that uh, it's really one of the most efficient ways of holding a shoe closed is to um, to use a shoelace. You know, having all sorts of electronics and so forth inside a shoe in order to pull it tied really just seems to be um, <laughs> overkill to my mind. Um, there are other ways of doing it as well like velcro and so forth but again unless the velcro consists of multiple straps of velcro such that you can vary the tension over the full length of the of the closure uh, again that that's not a very simple solution either um, ones that have just a single piece of velcro you'll find that it will be loose near the toes or loose near the middle of the shoe or loose near the top of the shoe so, yeah, I've not really seen any great solution um, overtaking the countless tied shoes that exist. It sort of brings us back to it being an amazingly simple solution to a very complex problem, doesn't it? Mm, exactly. I mean, shoelaces, another wonderful thing about them is that there's not much that can go wrong with them. If a shoelace does actually break, well... In a pinch, you can tie the broken bits together and you can still get on with your day. Um, worst case, you can just go out and buy a new pair of shoelaces and pop them in and that's going to cost you all of a dollar or two. Um, I don't know what you would do if your, um, your electronic shoes break down. In fact, there was a case recently about um, some shoes that a software update rendered one of the um, shoes completely dead and would no longer tie. You'd have to... Um, you wouldn't be able to use your app on the on the shoes as you could previously. So, uh, crazy. I can just imagine calling up customer support and being asked to re reboot your left shoe and wait for a firmware update. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy world, yeah. Now it is uh, definitely creating more problems than we need. Uh, you mentioned when we were talking about the length of shoelaces, um, 
Is there a trick to getting the right length or is that depending on how you lace them or is there a way to buy a length and shorten them? I mentioned buying an aglet, pair of aglet pliers and putting my own aglets on the end, which those who don't know what aglets are, are the sort of little finishing pieces that means you can actually thread your lace and make sure it doesn't fray. Uh, there was a question in what I just said, but I'm not sure what it was. I think I was asking about, can you adjust the length of shoelaces? Oh, indeed. There's, um, with my website, I've actually calculated all the different um, formulas for the different ways you can lace a shoe. So, for example, there's a particular formula for the, the length of shoelace you would need if you're using crisscross lacing. And it depends on a lot of factors. It depends on the actual width of your shoe. So you can imagine a very wide shoe is going to lose, use a lot more shoelace than a narrow shoe. Um, you, it also depends on the lacing method that you use. Um, so crisscross lacing uses a bit more shoelace than, say, straight bar lacing. Um, and it depends on the number of eyelets, obviously. And it also depends on how long you want the ends of the laces to be. On a nice dress pair of shoes, you don't need particularly long ends. But if you've got a tall pair of boots, then you'll actually need quite a bit of length. Otherwise, whenever you loosen the boots to take them off, the ends will be coming out and you'll have to relace the top parts of the boots. So all these factors come into it. And... Um, I've actually created a set of formulas and on the website you can actually go to my um, shoelace length calculator to calculate the exact length you need for your particular shoe width, your particular number of eyelets, how long you want the ends to be and for the lacing method that you want to use. Now if you don't want to go to that sort of trouble you can just use an approximation and I've got some approximations on the website as well and it basically says that look you can um, you can just use a very simple formula um, and um, and the approximation formula will be quite reasonable actually. Ian I'm truly touched by uh, the effort you go to to make sure people <laughs> are able to lace their shoes properly this is this is brilliant. Um, I think one of the my pairs of boots, which I struggle the most with, uh, and hence I don't use them as much as I'd like to, it's because they're, they're fairly tall, but they've got eyelets all the way up. Mm -hmm. And I've often thought I should have the, half of the eyelets replaced by speed hooks just to make it quick to get them on and off. But then I know that the speed hooks, they all sort of tend to eat up the laces. What would the professor recommend in such a dilemma? Uh, there's a couple of different lacing methods that will that will work a lot better on a tall pair of boots. One of them is my personal favourite, which I call over-under lacing. So if you imagine the normal lacing where you're crisscrossing laces, you know, you're creating a cross at each pair of eyelets and you're going under the size of the shoe and out through the next pair of eyelets and then again you'll cross them go under the sides and out through the next pair of eyelets that's regular crisscross lacing with my over under lacing what you do instead is you create one crossover on the outside of the shoe and feed in and then you create a crossover on the inside of the shoe and feed out through the next pair of eyelets 
Again, you cross over on the outside and feed in, cross over on the inside and feed out. And the difference is because there is no crossovers going between the sides of the shoe, there's less friction across the edges of the shoe. And secondly, you've got crossovers that are sitting on the outside. Each of those crossovers, you can easily get two fingers under that crossover and pull tight. And thirdly, because only every second crossover is on the outside, you only have to pull every second crossover to tighten the boots. What that means is that you can tighten the boots in about half the time because instead of having to pull every single crossover as you work your way up the shoe, you only have to pull every second crossover. So that's what we call over-under lacing. On a similar vein, you can use something that's called double helix lacing. Now, believe it or not, this method was actually patented by a gentleman by the name of Monty Fisher, and he hoped that the military would adopt this lacing method and he'd get lots of money for having patented it. As a Ultimately, that didn't ever happen. Um, he never made any money out of it, but his patented method is nonetheless available for all to use. And what it has is every, the, the laces sort of run up the shoes in a double spiral, like a double helix. And it works in a similar way where you can grab two, um, two of each um, of those diagonals that you can see on the outside of the shoe and pull two by two each time. And that will also let you lace your shoes in about half the time or tighten your shoes in about half the time. And everything contributes really to a more enjoyable life, I think. I think so, yeah. If you could do anything in half the time, you'd have twice as much time to spend on, I don't know, learning other things that could take half the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, your book now is uh, out of print, I believe. Have you been thinking about making a new version? I've... I've sort of thought about it for several years, but at the time that my book was being published, um, publishers were going through a really tough time because the internet had sort of killed the whole market for reference books. And I'm not sure whether they're, they're still as interested now as they were back then, uh, whether reference books are still as relevant today as they used to be. Um, as it was with that book, it was about a year's worth of work for only a small amount of reward. So I'm not sure that I'd want to spend another year of my life working on something and uh, have a similar outcome. It might be uh, if you rebrand it now as the sort of heritage, uh, authentic uh, shoe knot collection, uh, and make it sort of less fashion orientated, but part of the sort of slow lifestyle um, whereby you appreciate things more and uh, gain a longer, more fruitful life through tying your knots faster and so forth. I mean, there's plenty of angles here. Uh, I think it has merit. Um, I have ordered a copy. I found one, so I'm waiting for it to arrive of your uh, cool lacing for kicks, oh, cool. Interesting. <laughs> which I think was a title that probably sort of quite narrowly confined it to a certain period of uh, time when when uh, trainers were called kicks, and I think now they're called sneakers. So, uh, mm. yeah, I could talk for hours about the shoelaces, but really, I guess there's um, there's just a few take home points that people. Hopefully, they'll take away from all of this. 
is um, they can learn that there's different ways to tie for different applications. Um, what some people will find the best, other people will find quite different. So, for example, you might have um, wondered what's the what is the best way to tie your shoelaces or lace your shoes, and that really depends on your application. So, if you're a if you're someone that has dress shoes, um, you'll probably find a good way of lacing to shoot, suit your shoes. Um, skaters will find good ways of lacing. Um, hikers will find good ways of lacing. And similarly with tying your knots, if you learn at least one secure shoelace knot, um, that will see you in good stead. And um, other little tricks of the trade, like you know how to um, how to avoid shoelaces coming undone by making sure that you're not tying a granny knot, and how to make sure that your shoelaces aren't too long by either shortening your shoelaces or by um, by buying the correct length or by just relacing them to get more efficient um, adjustment of the length. All these are good looking tricks and um, yeah, hopefully everyone can learn something about shoelaces that they hadn't learned before. It strikes me that um, it would be a, a part of good parenting to teach your children to, I mean, just teach them straight off, no messing about with inferior knots, but just go straight for the best one when they're small. Are your own kids uh, totally up to speed on best knots? Um, I don't have any kids myself, but my nephews have both been taught the, the Ian knot. So they've got not only the fastest knot, but also they, they know how to tie it the correct way so that it doesn't come undone. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, this is actually a tricky thing to teach a child to tie shoelaces if you have as you mentioned earlier you've sort of committed your knot to muscle memory and the first time a parent discovers that they have to teach their child how to tie their shoelaces they realize that kids can't just follow doing it quickly you have to really slow it down and break it into the individual steps and um, I've had I've had people where you know I've asked them can you show me how you tie your shoelaces and they can't slow it down because they're so used to tying it quickly that when they slow down they start to fumble and go oh hang on I, I can't even remember what I do so it's actually quite tricky to teach a child to turn to tie your shoelaces the first time because you as a parent have to learn how to teach and that mm. doesn't come naturally to everyone I have the same problem with my tying uh, tie knot, which isn't something I you do very often, not often at all. But unless I'm actually doing it, I couldn't explain how to do it. And I did try to learn how to do a bow tie. And I ended up so frustrated that I just had to put it aside. I could not do it. Well, for, um, for bonus points, um, you can actually tie a bow tie using the same Ian knot technique. <laughs> If you want to, if you want to be the world's fastest person at tying a bow tie, you can you can try that one. In a world where most titles have already been taken, I mean, it's rare to come <laughs> come by one that is there for the taking. So I'm, I'm sure a listener will be speed knotting their bow ties in uh, short order. Oh, I forgot to mention, you're also on YouTube. How is that working out? Yeah, I've. Um I've lost track of how many videos I've got sitting up there, probably 20 or 30 or 40 videos or something. Um, 
Yeah. When I occasionally find some time to uh, churn out a few videos, then I've been putting them up there quite well, actually. Some of the videos have hit 5 million views and uh, I've got, I don't know how many, 10, 20, 30,000 um, followers or something like that. So, yeah, it's uh, quite quite successful. My original Ian knot um, has been eclipsed by other people that have put my knot on the internet without even giving giving credit to to me but that's the way it goes nowadays a lot of people find when they find something interesting on the internet either they can point to it and get no kudos themselves or they can just copy it and get their own kudos so it's unfortunate that my uh, I, I don't even hold the number one position for world's fastest shoelace knot because someone else put up put fastest way to tie shoes or something Using your knot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, just sort of one final question. Has the attention and popularity of the Professor Shoelace venture surprised you at all? Yeah, it's. Um, I never really thought that I'd become the world's expert, if you want to call it, use that term, on shoelaces. But as a result, then when... When newspapers uh, get hit with something new that's in the world of shoelaces, then I'll often get asked about it. So, yeah, I've, I've had articles appear in various newspapers and magazines and occasional interviews on radio and even television. So, um, yeah, it's given me a, a minor celebrity status. But anyway, it's all, it's all just a bit of fun because, hey, it's just shoelaces after all. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is, but uh, I think it's great when when people can become known for sort of completely non-obvious but really important things. That's because it. at the end of the day, shoelaces. I mean, tying your shoes securely is fundamental. Hmm. True. It's it's actually. Um, I mean, we tend to trivialise it because shoelaces are have been the butt of jokes for many many years because really they are just the simplest and most lowly item uh, in the bible there's there's biblical references to shoelaces or shoestrings um, as they called them back then they called them um, shoe thongs or whatever um, but there's biblical references to them because they were considered the lowliest of of items most trivial item on the planet um but ultimately, they can actually mean different difference between life and death. There are people who have died because of mishaps due to their shoelaces. So um, really, we shouldn't treat them quite as trivially as we do. We should treat them with a bit more, um, bit more reverence because, uh, yeah, they, they, they can actually mean <laughs> they're a dangerous thing if, if done wrongly. And on those wise words, I'd like to say thank you very much, uh, Ian. This has been a, a true pleasure. And I'm sure my listeners will find plenty of uh, interest in it. Um, so thank you very much. You're welcome, Nick. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk so, so extensively about my pet subject. My pleasure entirely. Bye-bye. Cheers. And that concludes this week's episode of Gormology, a podcast about clothes and stuff. Many thanks to my guest this week, Ian Figgin, a.k.a. Professor Shoelace, 
You can find him on, uh, well, on Google, really. Just uh, Google Ian's Shoelace. I'll include some pertinent links in the show notes as well. If you'd like to get in touch with me, Kieran Anderson, the host of Comology, my email is welldressedad at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram as welldressedad. And predictably, the blog is at welldressedad.com. You can find all the previous episodes there. Comology is available for common major podcast platforms. And if you'd like to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, I'd be absolutely delighted. Well, that's it for now. Catch you next week. Bye-bye.